Hi, Sunshine. I'm Natasha, your host for the Shine Online podcast and the founder of Soul Studio. In this conversational podcast, I interview the brightest entrepreneurs I know with the goal of empowering you to do business in a way that feels real to you. These conversations will bring you no fluff advice, honest discussions, and actionable strategies to help you shine online. There are so many bright brands in the online world, but there's always room for one more. Let's shine together. And before we dive into today's conversation, you're actually tuning into an exclusive replay of an Instagram live interview. And we'll be answering questions and interacting with the live audience over on my Instagram at Soul Studio Marketing. So let's get right into today's episode. Well, hello, everyone, and happy Friday. Thank you for joining us live today. I'm going to add on Brianna, and then we're going to get right to the conversation. Okay. Hello. Hey. Okay. I got you. Perfect. Cool. Well, I am so excited to chat with you today, and it's always fun bringing like in real business friend life people onto the podcast to really bring their expertise and you have so much to offer. So thank you for spending the morning with me. Thanks for having me. Of course. Do you want to introduce yourself, who you are, what you do, and all about your brand to everyone that might not know you? Of course. Well, hey guys, I am Brianna Queen. I am a YouTuber. I'm a blogger. I am a content creator, video expert. I'm a lot of things, but at the end of the day, I am a content creator and I specialize in helping women create content that allows them to make money. I also create content geared around home decor, beauty, and style. All the things. You create so much amazing content. I know video is your jam and you really serve your audience so well. I wanted to kind of start off the conversation by talking about different streams of income because I know they always say, you know, if you want to be a millionaire or a billionaire, you have to have multiple streams of income and how that's really important, especially as business women, you know, one stream could drop instantly. So that's why you have to have those backups. So kind of how have you developed your different streams of income and what do those look like? So the first stream of income I had was affiliate income. And it was something that I just I put on my YouTube channel. And I was like, oh, I'll put them on there just to do it. And then I remember like my first month, I made like $40. And I was like, oh, I made $40. Yeah. <laughs> and that was the first thing that I made money from. I think affiliate links are the easiest way because it's as simple as saying, hey, I signed up for Ebates. Natasha, are you a part of Ebates? Here's my link. And you can make money that way. You don't need a large audience for affiliate links. So I say definitely if you are a content creator or if you are someone who recommends a lot of products or services, definitely think affiliate links can be your first one. I also think we all have a expertise, right? Like, you know, yours is Instagram and social media. So you have courses and books. I think leveraging your knowledge of digital products is another way that you can really leverage um, having sources of income beyond just working. And then beyond digital products, you can also do services like you do services as well, where you do social media. Um, I do consulting. So leveraging your expertise as a service, and that can be relatively cheap as well. 
Definitely. And just by naming those different ways, like that's something that's tangible for every single business owner. And that's automatically three different income streams. And even within those categories, you know, you might do affiliate links for different, you know, platforms. Like you might have an Amazon storefront and then you might have different affiliate links everywhere. And even like with digital products, like I have, you know, smaller products, then I also have my courses and everything. So I love how you kind of broke that down. And one of the questions that I got from my audience was she said, I've seen a lot of different discussions on what to charge for sponsored content. So she's kind of talking it more from like an influencer perspective. And she's like, where do I start and what works? Because she's kind of mentioned, you know, there's so many formulas and base rates that people throw out there, but what actually works? And I know you're definitely an expert at this. I personally do not think you should have a one and done rate. I think your rates should depend on whatever the deliverables are. Um, If a brand comes to you and says, we need this content published within a week, that's a very short amount of time. You should charge more than if you was going to charge for a brand that needs their content within a month. Also, do they need one video? One video, that's a lot of time versus an Instagram story. So I think you have to first ask, what are the deliverables? What do you need? Um, When do you need it? And how is it delivered? Also asking the questions, if it's a product, do you have to go out and buy the product yourself? If you do, that's additional money that you need to add on to that rate. So people say, oh, well, how much should I charge? And honestly, a lot kind of goes into that. You have to know certain questions to ask. But at the very base, I know people say charge like $10 for every, uh, what is it, uh, every 1,000 followers you have. I don't recommend that because if you have 1,000 followers and you're only charging $10 and you're creating this 4K video, you undercharging yourself. But I do think, really think about how much am I comfortable charging and how much am I worth? If I know this 4K video is going to produce sales, then I should charge whatever that rate's going to be that I feel comfortable charging. So really asking the right questions and then how much does it, how much does your time cost? Yeah, no, that's really good. And I think, does that also apply to, you know, consultation services and other types of services you offer? Do you kind of follow that same model or what are your thoughts on that? So with consulting, I think it's different. Um, With consulting, I think you can have like that one and done rate, like, okay, an hour to work with me is $269 or something like that. You can have that. But I also think you should also um, allow you to have some wiggle room. So if someone's like, hey, Natasha, I want to consult with you, but I want to do consulting for three three executive like weeks, then you're going to charge more. And you may give them a discount like, hey, you know, one rate is $250, but if you do three days with me, instead of that being $750, it's only 600. So I definitely think you can do that. And then also what's the value that you're offering? If you know, if they work with you for social media and you know that they can triple their income, then you should definitely charge a higher rate for that. Mm -hmm, Definitely. There's just so many factors. And I think I often hear people saying like, there's a formula to it. And like in certain ways there are, but there's just so many factors playing a role. And you also have to consider like, how much do you want to make? And what are your expenses? Like depending on where you live, you know, what type of goals you have on like, if you want a house, if you just have an apartment, if you have roommates, like if you have kids, like there's so many factors to play a role. So it's like, we could even throw out numbers, but it's like, you really have to look on what are your goals as a brand and business and how does your pricing structure really play a role into that? All right. And, and what is the value that you deliver? If you know that you are a videographer and there's only three other videographers in the state, you're probably going to charge a lot more because you charge a premium. So I also think about what makes me unique and can I charge a premium for that? Mm, Definitely. That's a really good note. 
I know the last time we were hanging out, you actually gave me some tough love <laughs> and you were like, girl, you need to get a speaker rate. And I'm like, yeah, you're actually right. I do need to do that. Um, so how have you kind of navigated, you know, being a speaker, figuring out your rate, figuring out what to say yes to for free, what to say yes to that's only including travel. Like there's so many different types of compensation for speaking. So I'm kind of curious your thoughts on that. The first thing, I think you should have four rates as a speaker. You should have your nonprofit rate. You should have your small business rate. You should have your corporate rate and you should have your education rate because what mm-hmm. you charge corporate is not what you're going to charge for a nonprofit. So have four different speaking rates so that when companies come to you, when a, when a, a university comes to you, you already have those rates. You do not want to do one and done for those because, again, they're going to have different um, budgets. So that's my first tip when it comes to like speaking rates. Second, how much is it going to cost you? If they are saying, hey, we want to fly you out to New York, how much is your flight going to cost? What about food? What about hotel stay? So think about how much is it going to cost me to do these things before you give any kind of rate. And then again, it goes back to almost like brand sponsorships. When do you need me to speak? If they need you to speak next week, that comes at a premium versus they need you to speak three months from now. So make sure you're asking the right questions. It's not so much about um, how much should I charge, but asking what you need to know everything before you just throw out a rate. Because what you don't want to do, and I've done this many times, is I've given out a rate and then the deliverables are the work that was needed. It was way more than I signed up for, but I had to follow through. So I ended up shortchanging myself. So make sure you're asking the right questions. And then when it comes to like leveraging, I learned this year, well, I'm sorry, last year, but it went into effect this year is I know where I shine when it comes to speaking. For example, I'm not very good at empowerment events. So I no longer do empowerment events. I really like to provide strategies. So I know where I shine. As a speaker, you have to know where do you shine. If you are a great empowerment speaker, but you may not be that great when it comes to like business or strategy, then be okay saying no to different projects or opportunities. That's something I had to learn. And it has helped me tremendously like tackle the speaking world. I can say, you know what, unfortunately, this is not aligned with Brianna Queen, the brand, but thank you for reaching out so that you don't feel stretched. Yeah, no, that's a really good point is like, you know, it can be, you can feel so honored to be asked or given an opportunity to speak, but you actually have to really look at it. Like, does this align with my brand and my goals? And like, does this actually make sense? Um, Danielle's actually on here. And I was even having a conversation with her on kind of like, there's also some things that, you know, maybe if you're just getting to the speaking environment, maybe you're going to do some that aren't paid necessarily to get your voice out there to practice speaking. I know, for example, I love speaking to universities, especially since that's kind of where I started was as a student entrepreneur. So that's something that I wouldn't necessarily always charge for. But if I'm being flown out somewhere and I have to speak, I do a workshop and a breakout session, like that really does change what my rate would be. So there's just so many factors that I think really need to be considered. And I want to talk a little bit about video. Do you think video has helped you kind of get into the realm of speaking or like how did that kind of happen for you? Yes, I, I want to say one thing about yes. speaking. So I do free speaking, um, not all the time. So don't hit me up, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I do free sometimes. Yeah. And I want to say I've done free speaking engagements that have landed me clients who have landed me for five-figure clients. So if I am invited somewhere and they may not be able to like pay me, but I know that, you know, one, either I would love to be a part of that. Um, I also work in the serve over nerve. So I my, my biggest goal is to impact 
Black Lives Impact Over Income. Um, so if I know I can impact, then I will say yes. And then also, if I know I'll meet some clients there and I can possibly make my money back, then I'll say yes to that as well. So it's okay to say yes to like speaking engagements, guys, especially if your target market's there or the connections that you will meet will be totally worth it. Yes, I completely agree with that. I feel like a lot of the people that are a part of my community now, or maybe that are students in my courses now, like I met them at speaking engagements. And I feel like it's such a great way to kind of introduce and get just more brand awareness in general. If it's the right audience and the right Mm -hmm. people, then it's kind of like a no brainer when it comes to that. So I'm glad you really touched on that. But yeah, let's talk a little about video and kind of how you got into the speaking space. Because I'm kind of curious, because I feel like it kind of naturally happened for me. And I'm curious if it was something you were really intentional about. Did it just kind of happen to you? Started getting opportunities? How did that look for you? So with the video, I had a consulting agency called Rebreathe, mm-hmm. like Brianna Rebreathe. I know it's like, <laughs> it was called Rebreathe. <laughs> and it was like add an added exhilaration to your marketing. Um, that was like the tagline. So I had a client and they were like, hey, we really want to get into YouTube. Uh, do you know anything about it? And at that time, I was just really helping clients get on Facebook and Twitter. Um, so I was like, I don't really know anything about YouTube, but let me just get on and see if I can like learn it. So I get on YouTube. And I had the intention of maybe doing two or three videos, which I did. They were awful. They were terrible. Don't go watching them. Um, And I did those videos and then I was just done. And I got a message and it was like, hey, I watched your videos. I absolutely love them. Do you plan on doing any more videos anytime soon? And I was like, what? You want to see more videos from me? So I literally fell into YouTube. I fell into video. I had no intention of being Brianna Queen on video. I just fell into it. And then from there, I just started doing videos. And then that's when I started, you know, getting better at it and getting clients from it and gaining subscribers and views and all that stuff. So I fell into it. Um, But video has definitely helped me tremendously, as I'm sure it's helped you as well. One, because video helps speaking. For two, a great benefit I find a video, especially YouTube, is you learn to not care as much about what other people think. A lot of times beginners say, well, what if I get mean comments or what if people are mean to me or what if, you know, people judge me? And the answer is they are. You're going to get a mean comment every now and then, but you're going to get a lot of great comments, too. And when you're on YouTube, when you are acting in your in your power, whatever you're great at, you ignore all those those silly comments. You ignore all those things because you have so many people who you're impacting who love your content. And that goes back to the speaking because when you're speaking, you know, you, you have that in the back of your mind. What if I'm not great at this? What if people judge me for it? But the great thing about video is it kind of sets you up for that. I completely agree with that. That's why I always talk about like showing up on stories or IGTV or whatever that looks like for you is really a confidence booster to grow your business as a whole. And I found that the biggest shift for me kind of touching on the points you were saying was like, it's not about the fears that I have. It's not about what I think people are going to think or people are going to come watch me. It's more about like how many people can I impact and serve through this, which it makes it where, yeah, you're like, I really don't care because I'm doing doing a service to others and I'm, you know, really showing up for myself as well. So I love that you touched on that. And I I just love your story with YouTube. I think it's just so unique that you literally fell into YouTube. And how did it start to kind of grow and skyrocket for you? So I was doing like hair videos and beauty, which I still do beauty. Uh, and I just, so I wasn't that great at makeup. Let me just say that I have, I was not great at makeup and I got on YouTube and I was like, well, some people want to see videos. And at that time, YouTube was really heavy, like beauty hair. They wasn't doing a lot of business on YouTube. Um, so I was like, well, you know, what? I'll just do beauty. And I kind of, I got better at beauty because of YouTube. So I literally just 
like recorded my progress of me getting better at DD. And some of my videos are terrible. Like I do a makeup tutorial and I'm like, oh, this is bad, but I still published it. <laughs> so it, it kind of helped me with that way. So I was doing beauty and from there, people were like watching my videos and they were beginners too. So they're watching my journey of becoming better at makeup and they're learning and I'm learning as well. So that kind of went into like, I started getting subscribers from that. And then I started getting clients because I'm like, hey, I'm on YouTube, check out my beauty channel so I could help clients as well, whatever they needed. So that's kind of how my YouTube journey went. <laughs> totally unintentional. Yeah, totally unintentional. And when it comes to kind of the strategy on YouTube and how you show up on other platforms like Instagram, how do they look different for you? How do they look similar? Like, do you repurpose things or are they kind of different strategies for you? So it's different for me. Each social media serves a different purpose. I'll say that, especially because I've had my YouTube channel for so long. They know me for beauty style decor. So it would be really odd if I just started doing business out of nowhere. And that's the thing. You have to know your target market. You will evolve as a person and that's totally acceptable. But, you know, if you were doing beauty and then you just switch over to gaming, your eyes are going to be like, what? what is going on? So my YouTube channel is very heavily focused on beauty style decor. My Instagram, because Instagram um, is more focused on biz business as well as style and fashion. So it does kind of end the tingle, but it's a little different. Facebook. Yeah. I don't get Facebook love like I used to. Do Me you? Either. Okay. No, not a, it's like my least. I mean, obviously, I don't tweet, but yeah, Twitter's my Twitter, Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> no, and I guess not TikTok either, but <laughs> yeah, Facebook isn't really a thing for me anymore. Yeah, I have an audience on Facebook, but I literally just reshare my content yeah. from Instagram to Facebook. Um, really, my biggest platforms are YouTube, Instagram. Pinterest is my jam. If you follow yeah. me, uh, you know, I'm like doubling my Pinterest every single month. I love that for my blog and for my YouTube mm -hmm. channel. Because looking at like the analytics, um, I noticed with my YouTube channel that a lot of my traffic is coming from Pinterest. And I noticed wow. a lot of my traffic on my blog is coming from Pinterest. So if you are trying to increase your traffic, I think looking at Pinterest um, is definitely great because again, it's like what number three search engine now. Yeah. So I do leverage that to get traffic on my videos as well as on my website, as well as on my email list. Yeah. Nice. Thanks for breaking that down because I think every social media platform does has its overlapping qualities, mm -hmm. but you know, they are very different in a lot of ways. Like even like if you follow me on LinkedIn, like I'm not bubbly as fun. If I'm being honest, I'm professional Tasha and that's fine. Very informative <laughs> but, though. <laughs> yes, very informative. I'm the speaker Tasha. That is like my thing. So I think it's really important to kind of know like there can be an overlap, but I love how Pinterest is growing for you. I'm, I'm working on the Pinterest thing, but Pinterest is its whole other beast. It is interesting to say yeah. that. It is. And again, going back to your repurposing content, you can repurpose everything. So when I do a YouTube video, I repurpose that into a blog post that gives me Google, that gives me like SEO. I repurpose that into a Pinterest pin that gives me more search. I repurpose that into Instagram story and then an Instagram post. And then I also do email. So I repurpose everything. If I'm spending all this time creating content, then I want every single platform to know about this piece of content. And I want this content to rank. So really leveraging YouTube, blog, or Pinterest is going to help you get that search two, three years from now, people still be referencing your content because you really leverage those other platforms for it. 
Yes, I completely agree with that. Like, don't change the wheel and go crazy trying to always create new content. Like, repurpose, repurpose. I'm really adamant about that, too. Um, Danielle asked us a funny question. She asked if we're going to jump on TikTok. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness gracious. I, I love the thought of TikTok. Um, mm-hmm. Me and Marlon have tried to make TikToks. <laughs> but it's just, it makes me feel old. It makes me feel confused. I don't know why I don't get it. But what I've been kind of telling people that ask me, like, do I need to be using it strategically for my business? Is I say that TikTok is inspiring Instagram content. So people want things that are funny, that are lighthearted, that are quick and easy to consume. And that really leave them uplifted and better in a way. So that's why I feel like micro video on stories, Mm -hmm. on feed is kind of growing and can inspire it for brands. Personally, I think if you're a business that like, even if you go viral on TikTok, that's very possible. I don't think necessarily that they're going to buy your services or your products or that they're going to be your ideal clients anyway. So I'm not, Gary Vee has not convinced me on it, but I'm curious your thoughts. Thing about social medias is that there are so many of them. <laughs> I cannot keep, look, I am on the main ones. I know TikTok is like going up, but I have to focus on what works for me. At this point in time, no to TikTok. I'm on the, I do think you should have a TikTok account. Reason being, you don't ever want anyone to create a TikTok account and have your name and then your image and they're impersonating you. So I do think whenever like a new social media comes up, create an account with your name and so no one else can like take that name and impersonate you. I definitely think that as far as using it, no. And TikTok's a really a younger audience. I know my audience, my audience between the ages of 28 and 34, some of them are on TikTok, but that's not really my audience. So it doesn't work for me. But in three years from now, if y'all see me on TikTok singing and dancing, do not reference this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> right? Three years from now, who knows though? Seriously. But yeah, I'm kind of with you on that. Um, and yeah, TikTok is for playing, which I think is great. I think it's great to kind of bring some lighthearted content to social media in general, but for businesses and brands, I am not convinced. Not yet. Not yet. Nope. But <laughs> speaking of video and really how to leverage it as a brand or business, what do you feel like is the strategies or tips that has really helped you convert, um, whether it's clients or people to read your blog or to really engage your audience using video? So whenever someone asks like a similar question, I always ask like, what do they want out of video? Do they want to become an influencer? Do they want to get more business? Are they selling products? Are they selling services? I'll give three little mini answers. So if you are trying to sell products or services, I think your videos need to be geared towards how-tos. They all need to be geared towards testimonials, stuff of that nature. You really want to create videos that are going to drive sales. You can do comparison videos comparing your lipstick to another brand's lipstick. If you are trying to be an influencer, you can reference that as well, but your goals will be different. As an influencer, your goals are going to be views and um, subscribers. As a business, your goal is going to be conversions and awareness. So I do ask, like, what is your goal when it comes to video? Um, I think the best video strategy, no matter what, is creating valuable evergreen content, content that people will look at two to three years from now. So if you create a video and it is how to cut a onion, 
three years from now, people are going to be searching how to cut an onion. Um, if you do a video and it's will Trump win the election, that's going to be very dated in, in one or two years, right? So you want to create evergreen content that people will search from years from now. I think that's the winning the winning strategy. And then for two, when it comes to video, I highly, highly, highly recommend showing your personality. I think sometimes we get on video and we're just like, hey, I'm Brianna. Like we get really scared and nervous. Video is where you can shine. It is okay to show like however quirky you are weird you are. If you are a business owner, you can show like little fun stuff. If you have a dog that's also an employee, show that, highlight that. So with video, definitely it can be professional, but it's okay to like add some of your personality. And then also that high value content, content that we want to see. Don't give us generic stuff. If you are a personal trainer, do not get on video and be like, oh, to lose weight, you have to, you know, eat right. We know that. What do we need to eat? <laughs> right. Like, what do we need to do? So definitely giving content that isn't generic and then knowing your target market. Um, definitely knowing that as well for your video strategy. So who am I trying to serve? Who will this video impact the best? And then what kind of videos can I create that people will reference two to three years from now? That's really good. I think it's so easy to see trends going around all the time as well. I know that's definitely a big thing on YouTube, but even on Instagram, it's hard to always think of, you know, how can I be like fresh and innovative? And you want to do that, but you do always want to focus on evergreen. I think that's a really important point. I wanted to take a quick break from those mic drop moments to share an amazing free resource to help your biz shine on Instagram. Tasha's toolbox and strategy kit includes 30 tools for creative and strategic content on Instagram, including my best tips, strategies, and practices for growing on the gram. This resource includes a dimensions cheat sheet to let you know everything you need for creating graphics on social media, along with a lingo guide that breaks down any Instagram terms or words you may hear me using. So to download this freebie, go to soulstudiomarketing.com slash toolbox, or we've linked it in the show notes for you. Now let's get back into the episode. Okay. So we also got some really awesome questions from your audience. And one of them was how to brand yourself as a content creator, which I think is such a good question. I think as businesses, you know, we often think we have to have logos and the colors and create Mm -hmm. a website. But if you're kind of an influencer or just like a content creator, it's kind of hard to have that direction. So what are your tips for that? Because you've done that so well. I think the first thing you really want to um, really think about is what's your niche and who's your target market. Like once you identify those, then it's going to be easier to brand yourself. If you are a content creator and you really specialize in creating beginner beauty videos, then everything you do, you want to really focus around that. So then you want to have your bio say that. You want to have your website say that. You want to have all your content say that. It's going to be easier for you to pitch to brands because you know, okay, I focus on beginner-friendly makeup. So really thinking about what type of content do you want to create? I think that's one way you can brand yourself. And then also I highly, highly recommend investing in getting a really great photo of yourself. That is, I'm sure you can agree. That's something that you need a great photo of yourself for all of your bios, for all of, for anything that you do, you want to have a great photo of yourself, but really think about creating content. That's really like awesome. And you don't have to have photo shoots every single month. They're like you wearing the 
the cutest outfits. If that's not your target market, it can absolutely be, and you do a great job of this. You can have, you know, stock photos or you can have like little mini videos with words, but make sure you have that picture of you. People know who you are. Make sure you have that great content so that people can actually follow you and engage with you. Yes, I totally agree with that. I always say that if you're going to invest in anything starting out, that brand photography is it because it will transform the way you show up on social media. And when everyone goes and your, you know, your cover image is the same everywhere, it's having your brand colors, you're using a certain type of emotion, you have different props with you, like that really gives people an idea of how your brand visually looks. And I also Mm -hmm. feel like it makes you more confident too when you're building your brand, you're not necessarily always confident in what you have to offer. So I feel like photos really help with that. Right. They personalize you. They humanize you. People know the person behind the brand. Definitely. I completely agree. Um, And the other question, which I really love is if we both could say, you know, if we could give any bit of advice or tips or what would we tell someone that was just starting out, whether it's in the content creation world, as an influencer, or even business owners out there? My biggest tip is going to be to create things as a content creator influencer standpoint, create things that you are proud of and that you enjoy. Don't force yourself to do something if you don't like it, if you don't enjoy it, if you don't find any pleasure from it and build a community that you will love to be a part of. That's probably my biggest tip. Um, I know that's kind of cliche, but I think it's so true because when you are out and you have a business and you have creating content, there's going to be a lot of bad days. There's going to be a lot of days where you have low energy, where you don't feel right. And if you have a community that you love being a part of and you're creating content that you enjoy, that will push you through those bad days. That will keep you going even when you feel very low. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I'd say community also has been huge for me, like connecting with amazing women like you. I feel like it's just so important to surround yourself with like-minded people that are striving for the same goals. Um, And unintentionally, when you build those really strong relationships, I feel like that's now my top referral sources for speaking engagements and clients. So it's also helped me grow my brand, you know, not without me even trying to. So I feel like really focusing on really authentic relationships is important. And I think this also kind of piggybacks on what you said is I feel like it's really important to try a lot of things. Don't force yourself to niche down at first. Like, Try what you like and see what works, see what sticks. And once you find it, you'll know, you know, because I mean, I initially did all the services, all the things under digital marketing. But once I realized like I'm really good at Instagram, that's what I enjoy doing. That's when I feel like things really fell into place and I couldn't have necessarily forced that when I just started out. It really had to do a trial and error too. So that would probably right. be my answer. And then, I mean, down the line, you may change or switch it up. I only did beauty and then I moved into decor and I moved into lifestyle and I moved into business. So as you grow, you will evolve. That is totally yes. normal. That's going to happen. And your your audience will evolve with you. So give yourself that grace of really horning in on the skill. And then once you've reached that point where you're like, you know what, I want to do more. It's okay to do more. It's okay to pivot. Completely agree with that. 
Um, and I really want to kind of end off our time chatting. I We were recently at an event and we were vision boarding, kind of talking about goals. And I loved how we just candidly talked about kind of what our goals were for our lives and our businesses. And I'm kind of curious, like, how do you set your goals into action? And how are you really intentional with making a priority for not only the business and brand building goals, but personal goals as well? Um, what I do at the end of each year is I definitely journal. I journal, I want to say daily, but that'd be a lot. I journal like every other day. <laughs> um, but I ask myself, where do I see myself in a year? Where do I see myself in five years? And what steps do I need to take to get there? And it is okay if you thought you wanted something and then you got it and you realize, you know what, this isn't working for me. I know both of us spoke about doing less one-on-ones and going more into products. And we realized, you know what, this isn't really what I like. I'm going to pivot. I think that's okay. So I think really thinking about what do I want to do one to two years from now and what steps do I need to take to get there and then writing those down into mini goals. So I have, you know, the goal I want to make, the amount of money I want to make this year. And then I have that broken out into quarter goals. And then I have that broken out into monthly goals. And then as far as personal life, it's the same way. Like, what do I want when I leave this world? What do I want? No, I want my family and friends to know that I love them. I want them to know I spend time with them. How do I do that? Well, I have to plan weekly date nights. Or I have to plan monthly date nights. So really thinking about what you want and then focusing on how can you get there. Because a lot of times we do all this planning when the power is in the action, right? The transformation is in the action. So really thinking about what you want and then also be okay with pivoting. Sometimes we get so stuck on we want a certain goal or we want to do a certain thing. And in the name of consistency, we continue to do it when it doesn't align with us. I've definitely been there before where you kind of get stubborn almost where it's like, I'm so set on reaching this goal, but that's not aligned with me anymore. And that's okay. I think as women, we always want to finish it. We want to do it well. But when you're really kind of, you know, kind of like you mentioned with the journaling is like always kind of checking in with yourself and reflecting and thinking like, how am I making strides to this goal? And if I'm procrastinating or it isn't happening, like, is there a reason why that's not supposed to be for me right now? And that's okay. So I think that's a perfect way to end it off. And you shared so many great tips and steps for everyone that was listening. So it was so fun chatting with you. Thanks for having me on this Friday. Oh, wait, it's yes. podcast. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Both, it's okay. Podcast, no. They know we're live and chilling. Um, but for anyone that wants to connect with you, learn more from you, where can they find you and access all their goodies? You can find me on YouTube, Brianna Queen, Instagram, Pinterest, blog, all the social media platforms besides TikTok and Twitter. Anything starts with a T, I'm not on. Uh, yeah, and nope. Tumblr. Yes. <laughs> no, <Nope. laughs> But you can find me. And the way I spell my name, my mom spell my name a little different, is B-R-E-O-N-N-A and then Queen, Brianna Queen. So find me on any of those platforms. Send me a DM. Tell me hello. Everybody who follows me knows I'll be DMing back. I'll be yes. emailing back. So just hit me up. Yes. Awesome. We'll leave all those links in the show notes. So thanks so much for hanging with me. Thanks for having me. Of course. Thank you so much to today's expert guests for joining us. If you want to connect with today's guests or check out any of the important links mentioned in the show, I've linked the details in today's show notes. Join the conversation at hashtag the shine online podcast. Be sure to subscribe and leave us a rating. If you love what you've heard today, we really appreciate it. And it helps support our show. Remember, regardless of where you're at in your entrepreneurship journey, there's always room for your biz to shine. I'll see you next time.